Hey, everybody, it is Trags and back for another edition, episode 19 of the Jungle Roar podcast. I welcome in old friend, and I do mean both, I guess, if we're being fair here, Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. I knew him when, back in the days of the uh, Cincinnati Post, uh, covering, always has done a great job covering the Cincinnati Bengals. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Hobson Sin. That's all one word, but make sure you spell Jeff G-E-O-F-F-H-O-B-S-O-N-C-I-N. Welcome in, Butch. And there's a story, of course, as to why we call you Butch for the younger crowd. Do explain, Jeff. Rags, it's great to, great to be on with you. I, I have followed you uh, through your career because I, I feel a kinship with you because about the time you started working in Boston, I started working in Cincinnati, so yep. I was a Cincinnati guy transplanted in Boston, and a, and a Framingham Mass guy transplanted in uh, in Cincinnati. So uh, I followed your uh, career and uh, the success that you had, which was, you know, it kind of mirrored the success of the teams you were covering. And uh, it was it was a I'm privilege. Glad to have I you back, but I'm glad to have you back in Cincinnati, though, because I think uh, it obviously uh, heightens the uh, the talent of an already talented uh, media corps covering the Bengals. I appreciate that, Butch, uh, quite a bit. And uh, we call you Butch because, of course, of the uh, man who hit, I want to get this number right, yep. 40 home runs in 1978 as a third baseman. <laughs> I want to 30. See. No, no, 30. Correct. From the nine hole, I, if I'm not From mistaken. the nine hole. That is correct. Now, get his first name. Now, you know his first name, right? Oh, I should know. I don't. No. I, There's a guy at Syracuse, who I went to college with at Syracuse, from Marblehead, Mass., Dave Stern, who to this day, if he sees me, will call me Clell. Oh, I was never right. Butch. I was I was never Butch, but I I went through two runs of Butch uh, Trags oh. I, when I was in college and getting out of high school. He, he was playing, so obviously, right. My buddies called me Butch, and then when I surfaced in Cincinnati, he <laughs> surfaced as the manager of the Red Sox. So of course, I was Butch in newsrooms uh, down on Elm and over on uh, Court Street. And uh, it followed me, and it's uh, uh, Clell was a uh, one, one, just a kind of a tragic figure, really, in in the sense that he was a he was a, he was a backup Alabama quarterback, and oh, had people forget chips, that had bone chips in his elbow, and he had to take himself out of that '78. He, he went to Zimmer, Don Zimmer, in tears, wanting to get out of the lineup. And because he couldn't, I think he had 40. I think the, the number 40 is correct, Trags, but I think it was his errors that season because he couldn't throw. He couldn't throw. No, he could not. Um, Butch Hobson was the first manager I covered in any sport. There you go. Because uh, when I went to Boston in 1993, we were at the end of the Butch Hobson era and he did not survive the. Um, uh, the player uh, strike, the lockout, whatever it was in 1994, uh, right. the only year in the last, what, 140, we have not yeah. had a World Series. And um, when How he came he back, tracks? what's that? How was he to cover? What was he? What was oh, he wonderful. Uh, very, as you would expect a, of an Alabama kid. Yeah. He was very genuine, very honest. If you answered him and uh, asked him an honest question, he'd give you an honest answer. If you showed him respect, he would show you nothing but respect in, in response. Remember, I took my uh, son Father's Day, 1994, probably one of the last gasps of, of Butch's run. And uh, he was seven. And, uh, you know, the Red Sox were playing the Indians in that beautiful ballpark in 94. Yep. And uh, the Indians were hot. And 
he was actually Kenny Lofton guy uh, after that game. But I'm trying to, apparently I was really doing the dad thing, really getting into it with him about it. And about the eighth inning, I guess Butch came out and made a curious move. And the guy, the guy uh, sitting in front of me turns halfway and says, explain junior that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, and you remember who the manager was after Butch? I want to say, was it Kevin Kennedy? Yes. Very good. I didn't even have to do that. God uh, rest his soul. Uh, JFK, of course, we uh, commemorated. It's been what? 59 years, I think. Uh, I think it was 58. But uh, the fact that you know that, I think, proves that you brought, you worked, you spent some time in Boston because I was talking to a buddy of mine yesterday. Yeah. November 22nd is a very hallowed and solemn day. Um Especially, I mean, everybody, I think a lot of people our age knows what's no, what's no November 22nd really signifies back in 1963, but anybody yeah. from New England, November yeah. 22nd is a day of remembrance. I was talking to my buddy uh, who I played golf with and he was, he called me yesterday, last night and he said, you know, nobody, nobody, know. he said he talked to a couple of kids who he works with and they just, they didn't know what the day was. You mean it's, it's the day after November 21st, I said. Right. Um, now, I, this is a football podcast, and November 22nd is, uh, was a watershed moment in the NFL because it was a day that a lot of people before 9-11, when, when the week was understandably postponed, but uh, it was, I believe, uh, President Johnson, acting President uh, Johnson, made the decision that we should have football that following Sunday. Do you remember that? I don't remember it. I was, uh, I've read about it, but the, the, I was four. So the first memory I have of anything really mm -hmm. is, is, is the funeral, the flag, the soldiers, the cannons. Yep. But reading about it, I guess, I, I guess Roselle said it was the worst decision he ever made, I guess. Right. Right. It was uh, along with, uh, um, Lyndon Johnson, but it could, because I think, you know, he certainly, uh, consulted with the president and whether or not you know this is something that the national football league should do he did he is on record as saying that it is his worst decision but i look back on that and i think i think sports in that in that time the way sports was taken yeah. was a way to heal and yeah. was a way for three hours because when you have a tragedy like that and we we all experienced this on 9 11 you can't be uh, in a state of tread, you know, a state of shock and a state of pain constantly, you need at least three hours. And I think the whole point was to give the nation a break and allow people to heal and just get away from it for three hours. And I think I look back on it and I know I've read the comments about Pete Rosell saying it was the worst decision he ever made. But I understand why he made it at the time. I think, uh, too, those guys, uh, JF, well, of course, it was Eisenhower, but JFK was really the first uh, World War II president, really. Uh, I mean, Ike was the general, but Ike, uh, but JFK was in the Navy. And that, and that was an era, you know, uh, I mean, you know, because FDR decided to keep playing baseball. And that was kind of a big decision, you know, and because uh, I think there was some heat to maybe suspend it. 
um, in the, uh, you know, I mean, in the early four, but they decided to play because it just is exactly what you're talking about. And Roosevelt, I think, said this, that the, the country needs it. You know, right. uh, they need a diversion. So, yeah, and it's, it's uh, and I guess, uh, I, I, you know, I think maybe too, it's interesting, you could probably write a, a book on the difference between 9-11 and the Kennedy assassination and sports. You could, that, that could probably be a book, but, you know, probably just, I think, probably the explosion of media and how immediate it was. And really, Kennedy was the first, Kennedy's assassination was probably the first major media event that came into our living rooms and was 24-7. Correct. The, right? I believe it's the first live breaking news national story that ever was. Yeah. Like where you people could actually follow the event real time right. as it was unfolding. Right. But it still didn't have the shock of 9-11. No, not and, me. And, and I think that's right. what I think that's what uh, that probably had a lot to do. And I think probably too, there was probably a safety concern, too, maybe. Oh, no. And security. There's no question about that. But uh, the country was still wondering, yeah. you know, what kind of uh, uh Barriers have been broken in our national security and had anybody else gotten through. I remember that very vividly. And of course, I was covering the Patriots at that time. And, um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Trags, two days before you were probably in Cincinnati. uh, Two days before 9-11, you were in Cincinnati. Yes. Yeah. Covering the. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's that's correct. That was uh, one of the few games the Bengals won that year. And Mm -hmm. that was the you know, that was a game. That the uh, Bengals lost to, I uh, beat. I should say beat the Patriots who? with who at quarterback? It was a uh, it was uh, John Kitna, uh, I believe. And for oh. the Patriots, I should have said uh, yeah. who was oh, quarterbacking Drew, the Patriots? Drew Bledsoe, right? Yes, oh, that's what people. Well, I think some people here in in Cincinnati would forget is that uh, that Patriots season. Um, before the Mo Lewis hit on Drew Bledsoe, started with uh, Bledsoe losing 23-17 to Corey Dillon and the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, it was a, uh, and I think, uh, I'm not mistaken, Trags, I think also it was a kind of a, there was some kind of a mess up, I think, for the starting lineups. And they didn't, and they didn't, um, for some, I, I don't know what the story was, but I read something later that, they ran out together as a team, I oh, think. Yes, and, that's and, what it was. You're absolutely right, Butch. Uh, that's where the whole concept yeah. of coming out as a team during the Super Bowl against the St. Louis Rams, that's where that's the genesis of it, is that uh, the Patriots had to screw up. Or I mean, I think uh, the Bengals, by mistake, allowed everybody to walk, uh, run onto the field and... Um, you know, the, the Bengals PA didn't have it synced up with what the Patriots wanted to do. And the right. Patriots said, screw this. We're all going out on the field together right. as a team. And that's, that was the genesis of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a, that was a great run tracks for you. That, uh, that, that champion. I mean, with, with, uh, I guess Brady had a baseball hat on that day, I guess in Cincinnati, the last time he, he did. Had on that day. And uh, um, I remember how bad the field was. Yeah. The field was it, not in great shape. No, uh, I remember. Uh, I also remember when uh, we've been at Terry kicked the field goal at the gun. I also one of the great things I ever saw. And I, I, I think I saw Kevin Mannix hug Bob Ryan, I think, uh, which was a, uh, a Kevin Mannix, great, Harold, yep. uh, versatile, great, great NFL writer, I thought. Mannix yes. And uh, and Ryan, but- you know, the great, the great uh, iconic basketball writer, uh, columnist. 
You know, I thought they kind of made a little bit of a hug, perhaps, whatever, but it was certainly an acknowledgement what they had just seen, which, you know, the first, I think, Boston, the first Boston championship other than the Celtics that anyone of any age from Boston had witnessed. Yes. So I can see why Mannix and Ryan did that. Mannix, by the way, as a sidebar, would, he would give out grades. I, you know, he would give out grades and he would, uh, and if a guy made a mistake, out, he, <laughs> he'd be uh, rubbing his hands like that, you know. And, uh, yeah, he'd be, Kevin uh, Mannix of the Boston Herald. I, I remember him well and his, his report guy. card. His Great report guy. card, the yep. um, usually I think it was the Tuesday after the game. He yep. took a day to process like we all still do to this day. Yep. And uh, it was must read in the Boston Herald. I want to yep. move now on to uh, the Bengals themselves, which and talk about somebody who I think deserves a lot of credit for the Bengals winning six of their first 10 games, Zach Taylor. And I thought it was interesting on Monday's conference call with us that uh, Lou Anarumo uh, went out of his way to give a lot of credit to Zach for his uh, Nostradamus uh, act on Saturday night where he said the game's going to unfold just like this. Be yeah. patient. We're going to break the dam. We're going to break the dam. We're going to break the dam. And lo and behold, that's what happened. Because I got to tell you, Butch, watching the first half Sunday and there in the press box in Vegas, um, I was not too confident. Yeah. with the way they were running the ball that they were going to be able to break a, a pane of glass, let alone the dam. Uh, Trags, it had all the width of a 28 to 14, 28 to 13 loss. And uh, I agree with you about, about Zach. Uh, you know, we always talk about players that take a jump from year one to year two to year three. Here's a guy who's never been a head coach, really never been an offensive coordinator. You know, he's learning too. And uh, I thought he showed uh, – I. I agree with you. I thought the, uh, and I tried to follow up on that with him for uh, something I did later with him. And I, you know, well, you had that so well, what's the Pittsburgh game going to be like? Let lay that out for us, you know, but I think that's the evolution of a young coach. Yep. He sensed it. He had played Gus Bradley in the opener in 2020, you know, Burroughs debut. He stored that in his mind. He went back and he obviously looked at film and he digested it during the week. And he sent the proper right message clearly because they, you know, my God, I 30, I think you probably did the same thing. I did 32. This is not a 32 to 13 game. I think we were no. saying that in the, in the, it was a 16 to 13 game is what it was. And uh, you know, but he called it exactly right on both sides of the ball because they want, he wanted to get the lead so that they could hit Derek Carr. He was worried about Derek Carr in the red zone. Derek Carr is a rhythm guy. And he felt like in order to, to, to give him the proper pressure, they had to be up. And uh, it, uh, you know, it uh, hats off to him for. Uh, I just think the way that Zach has really uh, unified the locker room from, I mean, we're not in the locker room in, in the pandemic era, obviously, right. but right. you can tell that what the way the players talk about Zach and the way they respect him uh, on the field and listen to his orders that he is really unified this team. And I, I, there's a vibe you get when the players speak that they're together all on one page. They're going to make their mistakes. They're going to have bad games like Cleveland. They're going to have uh, collapses like they did against the Jets, which I hope doesn't keep them out of the playoffs. I fear that's my number one fear yeah. is that collapse against the Jets keeps them from the playoffs. Yeah. But 
for the most part. I think this team has been remarkably consistent this year. And when they have needed it, for the most part, they've got uh, gotten a response drive. And the biggest drive of the game on Sunday, bar none, was after the Raiders cut it to 16-13. Yeah. They come right down the field, score a touchdown. Playoff teams do that on the road. Listen to him, fans. Listen to him. He's covered many playoff teams. That's why, Trags, when you speak, I listen because you've been there with guys uh, and you've been there with a great one like Belichick. My favorite play of the day, though, first Burrow's first first offensive snap for the Bengals. Absolutely rocked in the first half. The last time we saw him, he limped off the field. He grabbed his knee. He did first not snap. like me asking him, him about that after the That's game, right. by the way. Did you note that? I, I, I noted it and I used it as a quote and I said he sneered. <laughs> but if he did, a, a, he did that don't know trags asked trags asked if he felt uh you know if he any thoughts went through his mind when he was grabbing his knee and he said you know me i'm not a i don't i don't think about big hits and which you and, gotta and, love and, you gotta love in your quarterback but i love that he ripped off so he's in the you know he comes out first snap of the second half play action hangs in the pocket and throws an absolute rope to chase uh, through like a window that's like in my, you know, my 75 duster was uh, when I couldn't get the window uh, down, you know, I'm telling you that was to me, yep. but you're right about that. And, and, and he, the kid, and I, I'm going to tell him this. I thought it was the best game he's played. It was his worst numbers. It was the best game he's played. Cause it's just exactly what we talked about. Tough game, rough game on the road. He had to make one throw third and third, third, third and goal from the six. To Jamal. One throw he did to Jamal and, you know, I thought it was a, a great throw yeah. um, in between. Uh, and uh, I think Zach, after the game, said it was uh, similar, or maybe it was Joe who said after the game, it was similar to a play um, that they had wanted to run earlier in the season but didn't and got the same look and, and were able to execute it. That's to me, too, is, is that's, you know, now we've hit, we keep hearing this, you know, the jailbreak against Jacksonville. CJ had never run it, but he's there. He does it. That to me, that's the sign of a prepared team. And that's like, a great point, Butch. Yes. And then, like is. you said about the route, which Barrow said he had thrown that route, but never against the Tampa two, which was what they were running. Which right. to me is, you know, gee, that's uh, so, you know, it's like when people complain about the offensive line. I mean, Burrow's leading the AFC in passing, and uh, they've won six games, and Mixon's on a thirteen hundred yard pace. They're they're blocking somebody, right? So uh, the oh, coaching. So the coaching is they got to be somebody's coaching these guys. So I'm glad you brought that up, Butch, because I don't know yet how to feel about the offensive line. I think it's coming along. And boy, did Zach compliment uh, the work of right guard Hakeem Adenogy. He really likes Adenogy, and I'm sure Pollock likes Adenogy. And maybe four is the lucky number. He was the fourth starting right guard that this team has had this year. And uh, if you listen to Zach Taylor on Monday, day after the win in Vegas, he was very happy with him. And maybe that's a sign, Butch, that this offensive line is going to gel in the back end of the season. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I think at energy, probably he might have played the best game on the line uh, of those guys. And I think, you know, they struggled for a lot of that, you know, for, for much of the first half. They struggled. I thought they did. Yeah. And, and to me, that's exhibit A of, better run the ball. You know, that's, that, that's, you know, I still think they're trying to find their feet as far as, uh, you know, and let's face it. I mean, Crosby and uh, Crosby and uh, 
Ngukwe. I, I probably, I'm sorry. Y- Yannick Ngukwe. Yeah. Yes. You know, they're good. They're good rushers. So, I mean, I, you know, that's a tough, you know, it's a tough task, but that's why you run the ball. And don't ask these guys to do, you know, to, to, you know, to me, that's exhibit A is that the, the, you know, the rushers are, you know, I mean, the rushers are just too good to, to, you know what, you guys. know what they don't do that. I loved that Sam Weiss used to always call the play action draw. I mean, meaning I hold the running back back and then just as the rushers get upfield, the holes are going to be there for, to run. If you, if you show pass and hand it off. And I just don't see it. And not just the Bengals. I don't see teams running delay draws anymore for for whatever reason. Paul Brown invented it for a reason, you know, he did. uh, (laughs) That was a mistake because I think Marion, I think the handoff could fumble Marion Motley picked it up and TV saw all well, the delay, just what you're talking about, but I will give Zach credit. They, uh, I've never seen a fake flea flicker before. <laughs> so that was, that was white. She Burroughs certainly enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. And Burrow had a great look. Burrow like, yes. you should have got an Oscar for that. I, 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 I like a lot of what they do on offense, but speaking with uh, Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com, uh, he's been covering the Bengals since, when you go back to your newspaper days since what 1990, year? 19, uh, 1990, uh, I had uh, been, I was writing, uh, uh, I was the sports columnist for the Portland Press Herald in uh, Portland, Maine, home of uh, the great Steve Buckley and Jerry Krasnick and Pat Boise, really, really uh, Paula Bramwitz who covered the, the Bruins and the Mariners, really good guys up there, longtime friends. And, um, was able to, you know, cover a lot of Boston. Was able to. It was a great job because I was able to cover uh, Boston sports too. But 1990 was at uh, what a uh, what a great year in Cincinnati. The uh, yep. the Reds went wire to wire, and the Bengals went to the wire to win the Central on the on the on the last day, and uh, pounded Houston in the playoffs. And uh, you know, I, I you know since I grew up in Boston, Trags, I guess you know I'm into the curse thing. So, uh, they, you know, I call it the curse of Bo Jackson. I was going to say that was Bo Jackson's last game. I actually wrote that this week. Yeah. The curse of Bo Jackson. They haven't won a playoff game since they ended Bo Jackson's career. That Kevin is Walker on a typical tap on a, just a regular tackle, right? Right down the right sideline. And he fell to the ground and his hip popped out and it was yep. never the same since greatest coaching job after. And I didn't realize this until about maybe maybe 10 years ago. And I didn't realize because when I covered the 09 Bengals, Mm -hmm. I finally realized the greatest coaching job I ever saw was that 1990 team with Sam. Uh, They had no right to win the division. Never mind win a playoff game. The defense was brutal and the offense was declining. Uh, Eddie Brown was hurt. Uh, His neck really couldn't run. Uh, Anthony was, 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 was hurt. The offensive line was 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 really nicked. Two three guys banged up. They had they were they were missing Max Montoya, so that was a club that uh, you know it went three and thirteen the next season for a reason. And but he he had enough in ninety with the sugar huddle and draining the clock. And I you know he was getting ripped for not opening up the offense. You know twenty years later I finally realized why he didn't and why he was a genius. He melted he melted the clock. I love Sam Weish. I, I, and one of the, my, my favorite 
um, decorations around Paul Brown Stadium, and you know where I'm going with this, is the one that you can read off um, Second Street as you approach Paul Brown Stadium off 75, which is the way I make my way into Paul Brown every day. And that is, you don't live in Cincinnati. And you can read it so so clearly. And when I used to come back uh, with the Patriots as recently as 2019 uh, in Zach's first year coaching, I remember looking up at that sign and it made me smile. Just it made me feel like I was back home in Cincinnati. I love that sign. Love that man. Craig, what's uh, the first Bengals game you went to? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. So it would have been the season opener with my sister, Patty, uh, in 1974. It was the Browns, uh, Cleveland Browns. The Bengals beat them, I believe, that day, 33 to 7. And um, I remember having high hopes that year. And that was a the year they started out hot and just pewtered out and yeah. finished, I believe, 7-7 seven and seven that year. But opening day, 1974, was my first Bengal game. Who'd you go with? Uh, Patty, my sister. My sister brought me. And then um, I didn't go to a lot of games uh, that year. And then in uh, 76, I went with my dad to a uh, Bengal game. Uh, It was against Tampa Bay. It was a 21-0 win. Uh, They had a defensive touchdown in the game. I don't know if it was Tommy Casanova. Somebody like that returned um, a turnover for a touchdown. But the story of that game is, we had red box seats in Old Riverfront because my dad predicted uh, exactly this in a, in a church raffle, exactly the score of Super Bowl 10, 21 17 Steelers. And we won the next year wow. two tickets uh, to a, a Bengals game. And it turned out to be Bengals Bucks. Uh, of yeah. course, that was the year uh, the Ucks went 0 and 14. Tregs, let me ask you, you this has been a, uh, uh, it's clearly, I mean, this is where baseball, this is where pro baseball was born, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to say it's a baseball town. But I always thought that, I always would compare it to, to baseball in Cincinnati is the reliable, it's always there for you. It's, 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 it's your go-to meal. It's your go-to uh, uh, song. It's your go-to um, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the Bengals are the... The exciting, the the passionate, the 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 there seems to be okay. more frenzy around the Bengals, you know. And so I agree with all of that. I think now Cincinnati is and has been since I, I would say since the start of the Marvin Lewis era. Yeah. Um, I think Cincinnati has been purely a base a football town. And the reason I say that is you've got great high school football here. People are absolutely nuts about their high school football, and for good reason. You have as good a high school uh, football program with great coaches in this area as you do anywhere in the country, and I put it up against any state in in the union. Um, You've got got great colleges. Right up the road, you've got a, a dynasty that has been around for over 100 years in Ohio State. Uh, Cincinnati football has been around uh, actually even longer, believe it or not, and people forget that. Um, you've got great institution in University of Cincinnati, Nippert Stadium, great atmosphere. You've got Miami of Ohio, cradle of coaches. Southwest Ohio just embraces football. And I've always felt the frustrating thing about following the Bengals from afar. If you just gave them one winner, one winner, what it would do to football in this area 
It would raise it to a level that I would say uh, would blow even like what football is in New England now out of the yeah. water. I honestly believe that. Now, while we're on the subject, Butch, if Cincinnati and Ohio State ever play in the national championship in the football playoff, I will tell you, it will be the biggest event in Ohio sports history, nope. bar none. No question. And, and I couldn't agree with you more, Trags. And I also think our stints in the profession, you know, I started in the early 80s. You started in the late 80s, grew up in the 70s and 80s. We've seen football surpass baseball. What was baseball for no us question. Is, is, is football for our kids. You know, uh, my, my son played. He played at Anderson. He was a long snapper. He was a long snapper mm-hmm. for Anderson. He was a, um, played a year for them um, under the great Vince Siriano. But I don't know if he does that in the 80s. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it was just huge. It was, uh, uh, football is huge. And I, I think it's, and I can tell when I, cause a lot of my Facebook friends are from Boston, obviously. And when I was growing up, the Patriots were running a, you know, they might've been, they might've been behind. Nickel and dime. <laughs> they might've been behind BC football with Flutie, you know? I, but, there's no doubt about that. Now Facebook is all Patriots. The Red Sox are an afterthought on Facebook with my friends. If I, I well, I shouldn't say that. But the Patriots, it's you know when there's a Patriots game, you know when they won, you know when they lost. And that was never like that. And I had a chance to – I talked to Bel- – I, I think I said – I talked to Belichick once one time, and I said, I'll always be appreciative of how you brought – of what you made pro football in the England. Because when I was a kid, I watched the New York Giants. They were my team because I could see them on TV and I couldn't see the Patriots right. on TV. I mean, it's just, it's just football is, is, is huge all over now. That's why when I hear, and I used to hear this all the time in, from my friends who are still my friends in New England, um, boy, <laughs> it, it's too bad that football is irrelevant in Cincinnati. And I'm like, it is most certainly not irrelevant in Cincinnati. And I try to get the point across yeah, that yeah. I just told you, Butch, that yeah. high school football and college football are, are the biggest things in town here. Yeah. And right? the Bengals, the reason the Bengals, in my, in my estimation, remain solvent and remain viable here in Cincinnati. A big reason is because people's passion for the sport and they want desperately to see this team win just once. And, you know, and I've written this many times uh, and I wrote it often back in new England, the Bengals are going through what the Red Sox went through for low those many years where they find ways to lose. They, they, they're, New York Yankees are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. We all know this, the, the 2005 playoff loss, you know, yeah. what happened with Carson's knee. And then right. what, re- what really made 2015 so painful. And I've said this on this podcast before is I thought watching the end of that game, I was actually watching the Oh four Red Sox when they were right. down three, nothing, you know, with AJ McCarron, no shot in the world of coming back. The, the game was over. Yeah. They come back. They take the lead. Nothing. It was 15 and it's 16, 15 when AJ catches that corner route in the end zone in the rain. And I'm like, Oh my God. Then the interception happens, you know, perfect up the tunnel. And then the fumble. One of my great thrills of my life was writing that graph. The Bengals are riding into next week's divisional game against the new England Patriots in Foxborough. I had to delete that. I had to delete that of course, but you know, but watching you guys, watching you guys watch a Steelers game. I think I told you this. 
Watching you guys watch a Bengals-Steelers game is like me watching a Red Sox-Yankees game. What's going to happen? What is going to happen? I mean, 24 to 10, what is going to happen? Ben is going to throw the first 16-point touchdown in history. You know, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, and that's what I was thinking when I was watching the 04 World Series when they were up, I think, what was it, 8 to 2 in uh, St. Louis? I'm thinking, you know. Oh, right. What's, what's, what's going to, you, you're not thinking, boy, this is great. You're always thinking, I, I remember a guy who was walking by 2003 <laughs> Red Sox and I'm in the, and I'm in Paul Brown stadium working on the, uh, working on the um, elliptical and I'm watching game. It's game seven of Oh three. It's Clemens. They got Clemens on the ropes yep. and it's four nothing. And they got the bases loaded and they hit into a double play. I forget who it was. And I was, Foul language, screaming, and a guy poked his head in and said, "It's they're up for nothing." I said, "You don't understand." You don't understand. Said, they've lost. <laughs> I said, "They've lost." You know, and I, you know, by the time I got home, Little was visiting uh, Pedro. I re- I was in that press box at Yankee Stadium, and I why didn't he pull walk- him? Right? And I walked up to Ian Brown of right. RedSox.com and a friend of mine, Luis Cornetta was also in the press box and i said what is grady doing i said they were going to lose the lose this game because of what he's doing and i'm like what i kept asking what is he doing what is he doing pull him out you had the bullpen timlin was throwing seeds if i remember correctly and and scott williamson old uh cincinnati uh, connection of course from the 1999 uh, reds team greatest reds team never to make the playoffs by the way um even better than the 81 strike riddled reds um that 99 team should have been the postseason but anyway i digress uh speaking of pittsburgh we got to move on here because i got to get you out of here um this week we all know what Tyler Boyd said about Steelers quitting at the end of the week three Bengals win in Pittsburgh 24 to 10. Do you think that is going to play a factor in how the Steelers prepare for this game and how they play this game? I, I guess I guess it does. I still don't think it's as big of a factor as Von Bell's hit, which I think has changed the rivalry in the Monday night game back in December. So, you know, uh, what's the old uh, uh, what's the old line on the playground sticks and uh Sticks and, Sticks and stones may break, break my bones, but words will never hurt me. So I don't know. Will it mean something? I, you know, I don't think the thing needs I don't think the thing, needs, you know, I thought Tyler was, you know, I know you're not supposed to do that. And I get it, but I kind of like that. Don't, don't you, after years of just getting stepped on by these guys to have a guy say something yeah, like that, I do. be able to say something like that. And yeah, you know what? They don't need Tyler Boyd to jack them up. They got Mike Tomlin there. They got TJ Watt. They get Ben Roethlisberger. Their backs are up against the wall. You know, I just, maybe it's the cynic in me, the old crusty, you know, get off my lawn guy that I am now. Eh, you know, what's, you know, so I don't know. I don't think it's, I, it's, it's, there's nothing you can do to jack this thing up even more. I don't think. No, and, you know. right. And and that's a great point, Butch. Uh, they've seen and heard it all, right? I mean, in terms of that uh, of pregame hype. The, yeah. it, the game doesn't need any hype because it's critical for both teams. If the no. Bengals win this game, they are in prime position to make a run at the division title. I am totally convinced of that. I don't think Baltimore, even with Lamar, Lamar being yeah. Lamar. Right. Um, but we got Jamar, so... 
<laughs> oh, Butch, I love you. You're the best. Um, but even with Lamar Jackson being Lamar Jackson, I still think the Bengals have a better roster and deeper roster because I think their defense is better than Baltimore's defense. It's whether or not the Bengals can stay a game or two ahead of Cleveland. That's what this division is going to come down to. Yeah, I think it comes down to January 9th. I mean, obviously, you know, I hope it doesn't because if it does, I, I, that's a game that I see the Bengals having trouble winning in Cleveland. I just do, but go ahead. And then they got Mahomes the week before that. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, but I, I think that, uh, you know, Pittsburgh, I, I worry about Pittsburgh. I mean, they didn't have anybody playing on defense Sunday and they all still almost won that game. I mean, uh, you know, know who's playing the, this week. The, the, you know, the they're all, they're all going to be in there. They're all going to, Hayden's going to be back. Fitzpatrick's going to be back. Watt's going to be back. You know, it's going to be. And you're forgetting one name that I think is going to be a big factor in this game. Deontay Johnson did not play in that game. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Deontay Johnson and, and the Bengals did a terrific job with Hunter Renfro. Uh, Mike Hilton played, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he played his best game in a Bengal uniform on Sunday. I tell you what, all those guys, Deshaun Jackson and Brian Edwards didn't have a target. Yeah. You said that you a great question. You asked Zach in the uh, call on Monday. I mean, that's unbelievable. I, I mean, those are the two deep guys. I mean, and I don't know about pro, you know, pro football focus. They didn't have, they didn't have Hilton covering Renfro when they broke PF when PFF broke it down. But I think that's how well he covered. I think that's how well he covered uh, Renfro. You know what I mean? And uh, and the, the fact the other guys didn't get thrown to. I mean, Edwards took thirty nine snaps. Jackson took sixteen snaps. They were out there, so they had to be covering somebody. I, I, I thought the, the Bengals against the Raiders, a, a team that can put points up on the board, did a tremendous yeah. job. And um, I want to get your prediction for uh, Sunday, Steelers, Bengals, chapter number two of 2021. I wish Zach had, I wish Zach had told me what was going to happen because he had, <laughs> he had the right, yeah. But no, I, I, I think it's going to be the same damn thing we saw in the, and I hope it is the same damn thing that we saw in uh, Las Vegas. I think, you know, the, the Steelers are 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 they're they're tough defensively. They're always tough defensively. They got they got Watt who can break open a game. So I think it's got to be the same concept. You know, you have got to make sure that they don't get ahead of you because they'll put you in the meat grinder. And I think you cannot. You've got to take care of the ball, especially with Fitzpatrick back there. Watt and his sack strips are you know you get two of the most you get the biggest turnover machines in the league on the other side of the ball. If it if Burrow throws for 180 yards and no picks and there's no turnovers, he's played a great game. I agree. I and that's, and I think he does it. And I think it's a closer game. It's going to be much closer, but I'm going to call it 24. I'm going to call 24, 21, 24, 20, one of those. All right. I'll go with 24, 23. I think the Bengals hold off the Steelers uh, in the last, in the closing moments and force have been, Big Ben turnover. That's what I like. So uh, it's been great catching up with you, Butch. I know you got to oh, run, but uh, this is just awesome talk. And we're going to have you back on to talk more um, Bengals as well as uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, great. 2000s Red Sox uh, at great. some point in the future. But um, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I will see you down at Paul Brown Stadium uh, soon. Tracks, I can't thank you enough for having me on. I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I meant what I said. I'm glad you're here because you, uh, heighten the talent and uh, the competition and competition makes us better. And uh, you're one of the good guys. And like I said, the other day, you're the pro football uh, P- PFWA. Good guy. Uh, on the media. I, 
So I, I, and I know you're a good guy because you had me on. So I very much appreciate it. Well, uh, it made it from the bottom of my heart to tell everybody this. I could not be happier to be back in Cincinnati, my hometown. So uh, it is, it's working out awesome. I really appreciate it. Well, that's Butch Hobson, uh, Jeff Hobson. You can follow him on Twitter, G-E-O-F-F, Hobson, C-I-N, all one word. Please do. He has been covering the Bengals since 1990, and uh, he is a wonderful follow. For Jeff, uh, Jeff Butch Hobson, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Jungle War Podcast.